Uh, the question I want to, uh, want to think about with you this morning is, why does Faith Church exist? I don't mean uh, why did about 100 people leave one church in town to start another church in town 37 years ago this month. That's not what I mean. I, I also don't mean why does church, Faith Church still exist after all we've been through these last several years. I mean, in a larger sense, why does any church exist? What are we here for? And how are we doing at fulfilling our reason for being? Pastor Day was away last week, uh, first at a Presbyterian pastor's retreat, and then at the Presbyterian meeting uh, where he was examined to see if he was uh, suitable to come into our Presbyterian and be our pastor. And I'm happy to say he is. Hey. <laughs> yeah, that, that's really good. So later in, uh, in November, the Presbyterian will come, representatives from the Presbyterian will come and install him officially as our new lead pastor. So we're rejoicing in that. But because he was going to be away all week, he asked if I'd preach this week. Um, and said I could preach on anything I wanted. So I, I'm going to preach on one of my favorite topics, world missions. Because the church doesn't exist just for itself or even for its own local community. Every local church exists for the whole world. World missions have been part of the DNA of Faith Church ever since we began, which is no doubt why it shows up in two places in our mission and value statement. Our mission is we seek to know and show the enduring truth and love of Jesus Christ, by being a disciple-making family for Loveland and the world. And our value is to engage that world. We engage our neighbors, the underserved around us, and the nations, sharing the truth of the gospel with love in action. So notice that both of these statements say something about local mission. We want to be a disciple-making family for Loveland. We want to engage our neighbors and the underserved around us. We typically call that local mission. And it seems obvious that we should be trying to build the kingdom of God right here in our Jerusalem. If, if we're going to love our neighbors, as Jesus said, we should probably start with our immediate neighbors right here in Loveland. And next Sunday, we have an opportunity to love our neighbors with our fall carnival. So if you haven't already... Grab one of these suckers and this little invitation card out at the Connect Center. If you know any families that have children, invite them. Next Saturday morning out here on our north lot, we're just going to have fun. We're not going to preach at them. We're just going to love them and give them a fun family time. So encourage them to come. But my, morning, my, my concern this morning is to highlight the ministry that we have and want to have outside of this community, in other parts of the world. And, and this has traditionally been called missions with an S. Now, we all ought to be on mission every day in our neighbors and neighborhoods and in our places of business and schools and clubs and recreation. We're there as Jesus' representatives, right? His ambassadors, his witnesses. But in addition to that, we have a, a specific command from Jesus to take the good news of the gospel to the nations, so I want to start by looking at what we are doing in this area of world missions because I doubt that everybody here knows everything we're doing. We currently support 27 missionary units, we call them. That's either a single person or a family. Twelve of those are what we call homegrown, meaning they were a part of this church before they went into missions. This is their home church, their sending church. 
15 of those 27 are what we call partners. These are folks who are doing great things for the kingdom, but they didn't have a prior relationship with us, but we've partnered with them. And we've made a conscious effort to partner with our denomination, the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, the World Outreach Department. Seven of these folks that we support are sent out by our denomination. Now this map, the the red countries on this map, show you places where our supported workers either live or visit for ministry. They're in five of the seven continents. Some of these folks live in the U.S. but have a ministry elsewhere, like Jim and Debbie Eng, who live here in Loveland, but will be traveling to uh, Zimbabwe later this week, leaving on Wednesday. Uh, Gary Rickard, uh, another supported missionary, lives in Budapest, Hungary, but travels all over Central and Eastern Europe, training national crew staff. The countries shown in green here are places where our supported missionaries have an impact. They live in the U.S. or maybe in Europe, and they have a ministry that affects ministries globally. Caleb Redfield, Jeremy Lang, Brett and Marla Scheidler, Dan and Hannah Holmstrom, Ryan and Ann Mansfield are people in that category. Well, what what are these people doing as missionaries? What what do missionaries do? (laughs) Well, God can use virtually every skill on the mission field, from software engineers to mechanics to journalists to website designers. We we currently support a worker who recruits other missionaries. Uh, We support one who trains national professors in their country to write curricula to train their village pastors who have little to no education. Uh, We support one who is doing community development. Another one is teaching Bible and theology to national workers. One is training business people how to use their businesses uh, to improve the lives of the people in their country and also as a platform for ministry. And of course, along the way, these people are talking to people about Jesus. The point is, if you have a life skill of virtually any sort, God can use that in missions. And I am praying that God will call many from our church, many more from our church, to go into missions as a career. Faith Church puts our money where our heart for the world is. Our annual budget for missions is over $250,000, which represents a little over 21% of of our operating budget. So you can know that of every dollar you contribute to the church general fund, 21 cents goes to extend the kingdom of God among the nations. This is one of the major ways that we support that or live out that value and that mission of an impact on the world. To help us promote missions at Faith Church, we have a group of folks who've organized themselves into a world outreach committee, and and we have three sub-teams. There's the LEARN team, which is tasked with educating our whole congregation about missions, missions in general and missions specifically with regard to the folks that we support. There's the care team that provides emotional and spiritual support for our our workers. And the go team promotes ways for our congregation to get out there, get on the field, typically through short-term missions like the one that went to Alaska this summer. Before COVID hit, we had three or four of these lined up. We were so excited about all the good things were were happening, but those all had to be canceled. But we're going to ramp it up again. It'll be good opportunities. Excuse me. Long term, we'd like to see lots more folks from our church go into missions as a career or as a second career for you folks who are retirement age. And we'd like to have lots more homegrown people out there. By the way, uh, we do support our homegrown missionaries more generously than our partner missionaries. So keep that in mind as you're worrying about that. 
<laughs> the chairpersons of these three teams meet together once a month as the executive committee, and the exec handles all the administrative stuff. And by the way, we're looking for more team members, more World Outreach team members. So if you care about getting the good news to the, to the nations, let's see that next slide, because here are the names of the people that are on this team. And uh, if you know one of these folks, uh, talk to them and say, hey, I, I care about the nations. I care, care about the world. Uh, I want to see people come to Jesus outside this country. Okay, uh, come talk to us and we'll find a right place for you. Well, why missions? Why do we do this at all? Why do we spend so much time and money promoting missions? Why, why do people go into missions? Well, there are lots of different reasons and motivations for people going into missions. For some, it's just a great adventure. It's sort of like the Navy, you know, join, join a mission agency and see the world. Uh, and for sure, it takes an adventurous person to move, often with their family, to another culture, go through culture shock, learn another language, uh, lots of challenges. It's an adventure, for sure. But that's certainly not all it is. Uh, other people see it as a, a brave and noble task. Uh, they're facing down their fears, overcoming their insecurities, overcoming tremendous obstacles. And it, let me tell you, it takes a huge amount of courage to go. When, when Barbie and I were, were serving as pastors to the missionaries in our denomination, uh, we discovered how hard it is out there. I mean, without fail, every missionary said it is harder than we thought it would be. Every single one. Yeah. It takes a lot of courage to go. But that's not the main reason why missionaries go, and that's not why we support them. A better reason is to improve the lives of the people that are going too. Love for others leads Christian missionaries to do all sorts of things, make all kinds of sacrifices and efforts to improve their lives. Uh, one missionary that uh, we supported for years, was just, re just retired last year, I think, uh, was leading a support group for victims of child sexual abuse while at the same time leading discovery Bible studies for people who wanted to know more about, about the Bible. We support a man who runs a major relief agency, providing food, clothing, medical aid to people in North Africa and the Middle East. Uh, two of our missionaries are running aquaculture businesses, uh, providing jobs and income for local workers in Nepal and Indonesia. The second great commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself, and Christian missionaries take that one as seriously as the first. <clears throat> They're there to make huge sacrifices and efforts to improve the lives of the people that they live and work among. But that's not the whole goal of missions either. It's not even the main goal. Jesus hinted at that main goal in Mark 8.36 when he said, What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? The point is that even if we improve the lives of the people by all sorts of ways, we educate them, provide clean water, good health care, help them develop a just legal system, whatever it does, if we have not told them about Jesus, we have not loved them well. Because Jesus is the only way to be right with God. Jesus himself said in Matthew 7, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. But narrow is the gate and small is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. And in John 10, Jesus said he was that narrow gate. In John 14, he said it another way. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. 
The apostle John picked up this truth and said it this way. This is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. So this is the goal of all true missionaries. They they serve the people's needs in order to gain a hearing for the good news. Good works produce goodwill, which opens the door to the good news. Because we want to see people rightly related to God in this life and the next. We, we, We want to see people saved, not destroyed. We want to see them have abundant eternal life, not perish. Yet another reason why missions is so important is that because he left the earth, Jesus gave the church an assignment. Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you, and I will be with you to the very end of the age. When Jesus said, make disciples of all nations, he used a word that means ethnic groups, not political nation states. Malaysia is a good example. There are lots of Christians in Malaysia. In 2010, that was the latest date that I could find numbers for. In 2010, 9% of the country, almost almost 3 million people in Malaysia were Christians. (laughs) But virtually all of those Christians are in ethnic groups other than the predominant indigenous Malay. They are ethnic Chinese, ethnic Indonesians, ethnic Indians, ethnic tribal people, but they are not Malay, who are by far the largest and dominant people group in the country. The EPC has had missionaries in Malaysia for over 15 years, and we have seen very, very little fruit. In fact, they're in touch with all the other missionaries in the country, and to the best of their knowledge, there are maybe one or two small family groups of people worshiping Jesus together among the Malay. It's not just the country of Malaysia Jesus is sending us to, but the people, the Malay people. The Joshua Project estimates that there are over 17,000 people groups, distinct people groups in the world, and of those, about 7,400 of them are currently unreached. That also happens to be about 43% of the world's population. When we say these these groups are unreached, we mean that there are not enough Christians and those Christians don't have enough resources to evangelize their own people. Like in Malaysia, a few families cannot evangelize the 15 million Malay in that country. So we need to send foreign missionaries to help kickstart the effort. Now, if you don't yet know the love of Christ yourself, uh, you may not be in favor of Christian missionaries going to other countries and telling them that the only way to God is through Jesus Christ. Uh, This might sound like cultural imperialism or something. And, And I understand that, but we would want you to understand that this is who Jesus said he is, the narrow gate, the only way, and this is what he's told us to do, to tell the whole world about him. So we're just trying to be faithful to our master. So if you'd like to have a conversation about that, love to visit with you. Talk to me after the service, and we'll get coffee this week. So why are we involved in missions? Well, to improve the lives of people that God made and loves, to give them a chance to hear and respond to the gospel, and to obey the great commission that Jesus has given his church. But even all that is not the ultimate reason why we do missions. 
It's ultimately about getting Jesus getting the glory that he deserves for who he is and what he's done. You know that in the early chapters of the book of Revelation, there are these pictures of what's going on in heaven, in the, in the spiritual realm. In Revelation 4, there are 24 elders who represent all believers. They fall down before him who sits on the throne. They worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne, and they say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. And in Revelation 5, 9, the four living creatures and the 24 elders sang a new song to Jesus. You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased men and women for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And in verse 12, thousands and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of angels are circling around the throne and the four living creatures and the 24 elders. And in a loud voice, they sang, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. He's worthy. The word worthy means deserving. The Lord Jesus Christ deserves the praise, glory, honor, worship, wholehearted love, adoration, and service of every person on earth because of who he is and what he's done. These passages, among many others, say that he is worthy of our worship and praise because he is the creator of all that is and he is the savior who sacrificed himself in order to save people from every ethnic group on earth. I want to look at creation first. Psalm 96.5 says, The Lord is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. And Colossians 1 that we heard earlier tells us that Jesus is the one who spoke all things into existence and holds them together. So here, without comment, are just a few pictures of some of the things that Jesus has made. So this is just on the macro scale. These are things we can see. Right? <laughs> and, and if you get down to the microscopic level and even below the microscopic to the subatomic level, the world that Jesus has created is even more incredible. <laughs> and as we see things that he's made, as we learn about things that he's made, we discover some of his attributes, like he's really creative. Uh, creative in the sense of, think how many different kinds of birds there are, how many different kinds of flowers there are. How many different kinds of insects? I have questions about the insects, but still. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's astonishing. He's creative in the sense that he comes up with ideas that we would never in the world dream of, like light is both waves and particles at the same time. And I defer to my engineering friends to explain it further. Uh, it's just a mystery. Uh, <laughs> he is... Powerful beyond comprehension. He is really, 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 really big. You start thinking about how big the universe is, it will quickly get beyond your comprehension. Right? He's orderly. He's created a universe that follows built-in ways of working because of the properties that he's built into it. And he's beautiful. 
Only a beautiful person can make all the beauty that we see. He's glorious and he's worthy. And Jesus is also worthy of the praise and worship of the whole world because he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This incredible being, this creator God, this majestic, holy, glorious person emptied himself of all that glory that he had in heaven and came to earth to be born as a baby (laughs) in a stable to peasant parents, lived as a refugee for a while, was misunderstood his whole life. And at the end of his life, in a final act of service and sacrifice, laid down his life, not as a martyr dying for a cause, but as a savior of the world, a savior of all nations, and especially those who believe. He accomplished something no one else could possibly have done. He paid our debt. He made atonement for the sins of the world. And as Colossians 1 says, he reconciled to himself every man, woman, and child who would ever live. How much glory does someone like that deserve? Worthy, worthy, worthy is the lamb who was slain. Let me bring it back to missions. You perhaps know the story about three men who were laying stone blocks in medieval England. A bystander approached them and asked what they were doing. The first one said, What's it look like? I'm laying block, you bloke. The second man said, I'm building a wall. And the third man said, I'm building a cathedral to the glory of God. When we're involved in world missions, we are building the kingdom of God to the glory of God, no matter how humble or mundane our role might be. We are working to give the Lord Jesus Christ the glory due his name. Why missions? Why are tens of thousands of Christian missionaries all over the world living in cultures other than their own, enduring all kinds of hardships? Why does our church give over a fifth of our income to support world missions? Why do we honor and recognize the missionaries that we support? John Piper said it most concisely. Missions exists because worship doesn't. There are thousands of people, groups, and billions of people who do not yet know how great and glorious the Lord Jesus Christ is. But the Lord's promise is that at the end of time, there will be people from every tribe, language, people, and nation around the throne falling down before him in worship and adoration. The Lord Jesus deserves a lot more glory and honor than he is currently getting, and he has commissioned us to do something about it. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we worship. We fall down before you and worship as we did earlier this morning. Our hearts are yours. We want to say to you, here am I. Send me. To be a sender prayer, a goer, however you want us involved in building your kingdom among the nations, Lord, we want to do that because you are worthy. Amen. So let me have... uh,
do a couple of fun things here uh, this morning related to missions, and it's really appropriate because I'm preaching on this. I'll ask uh, Jim and Debbie Yang to come up, and then also any elders and World Outreach Committee members, if you would come as well. Jim and Deb, why don't you stand right in front of that, or just beside that, that uh, camera there, and then uh, we'll have the other folks come and stand behind you. Yeah, give, give them room to stand behind you guys. Elders and World Outreach people. Jim and Debbie have a tremendous heart for the world, and their, their heart for the nations grew as they led youth mission trips, mostly to Latin American countries. And uh, eventually the Lord said, okay, 17 years as a youth pastor is enough. <laughs> I'm going to send you to the world. So they now serve with an organization called B World, B-E-E, Biblical Education by Extension, World, for the world. Their motto is training the untrained to reach the unreached. And uh, the Yangs have been mostly in closed countries, uh, Myanmar, uh, China, and most recently they've been in Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe, they're doing this, been doing this for 13 years. Now, I'm sure we must have prayed for you when you started this ministry, but nobody has a record of it, so we want to make it official. <laughs> we want to celebrate what the Lord has been doing through you and, and what he's still doing through you. So, um, yeah, I can't see you, but you're going to hear me, okay? <laughs> oh, I know it. I can come around here. Yeah, okay. Here you go, because I have some questions for you. There you are. Hi, guys. These are the questions that uh, our denomination, the EPC, asks missionaries when they're commissioned. Okay, so we're going we're gonna to do it here for the Angs. Do you reaffirm your faith in Jesus Christ as your own personal Lord and Savior? Do you believe the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments to be the Word of God, totally trustworthy, fully inspired by the Holy Spirit, and the supreme, final, and the only infallible rule of faith and practice. Yes. Do you affirm and adopt the essentials of our faith without exception? Yes. Have you been induced, as far as you know your own heart, to seek missionary service out of love to God and a sincere desire to promote His glory in the gospel of His Son? Yes. Do you promise to be zealous and faithful in promoting the truths of the gospel and the peace and purity of the, yeah, peace and purity of the church Whatever persecution or opposition may arise to you on that account. Yes. Will you seek to be faithful and diligent in your exercise of all your duties as a Christian and as a missionary? And will you seek to discharge your duties, relying on the grace of God, in such a way that the entire church of Jesus Christ will be blessed? Yes. And will you accept the potential dangers associated with this ministry that may include suffering and martyrdom? Yes. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for this couple, for their love for you, their love for the gospel, their love for people. Wherever you take them, they're there as your agents. So we thank you for the many, many ways that they have served you, the many people that they have influenced, the hundreds of people who have come to faith through them. We thank you, Lord, for the sacrifices, the hardships that they've endured, in service of your gospel. They would say, as we do, you are worthy. You are worth it all. And so we pray your blessing as they continue with this ministry, Lord, that you'll keep them safe as they travel, as they go to Zimbabwe this Wednesday, 
that you give them fruitful ministry there, Lord, flexibility to adapt to constantly changing situations that are never the way they plan it. <laughs> yeah. May your word go out powerfully through them to affect the lives of our brothers and sisters there in Zimbabwe. In Christ's name we ask it. Amen. Angs, you can be seated, and the rest of you please stay up because I'm going to now call up Bob and Sharon Hallisey. Bob and Sharon are about to officially retire. They've been serving with Wycliffe Bible Translators for 35 years. Bob was actually an elder in this church when the Lord called them to missions. And November 30, the end of, end of November this year, is Bob's official date of, of retirement. And by retirement, he means he's going to shed two of his four responsibilities and stop taking support from churches and individuals. It does not mean he's going to stop working to uh, develop computer fonts so that people can read the Bible translations that Wycliffe is developing. Okay, He'll continue to work fewer hours as a volunteer. The map I showed you earlier of where our missionaries have impact did not show Bob's impact, because in order to do that, I would have had to color the whole thing green. <laughs> because his, the fonts that he has worked on have been, are used in virtually every country in South America, Europe, and Asia, so, and Africa. So, you know, I, I just didn't want to brag. But, but seriously, that's the kind of impact that, that Bob has had. And Sharon was an administrative assistant for many years with Wycliffe before she retired just a couple of years ago. So we're going to have a party uh, to celebrate them in January, but uh, we wanted to take this opportunity because today, today sort of a missions day. So thought it would be appropriate to recognize them and, uh, and say thanks to them. And Bob, you had something you wanted to say. I do. Um... It would, be, it would take us way too long for Sharon and I to talk about all the ways that you guys, as a church body, and many of you as individuals, have blessed us and made it possible for us to do what we've been doing for 35 years. You have given financially. You have encouraged us in moments that we needed it. You have been wise counselors for us. And in many practical ways, you have just blessed us, and we are so, so very thankful. Um, yeah, it would be really impossible to, to <laughs> say thanks to, for all of that. But we do have a little gift. This is actually on behalf of Wycliffe Bible Translators, and I'd like to read this to you. And uh, Jim, if you would come down, are you able? I'm, I'm here. Sneaking around, yes. <laughs> this certificate of appreciation has been presented to Faith Evangelical Church by Wycliffe Bible Translators. In view of their, that means your, in view of your partnership with the ministry of Bob and Sharon Hallisey for dedication to the task of making God's word accessible to all people in the language and script they understand best, 1986 to 2021. Well, Father, we are, we're really thankful for Bob and Sharon. Um, we hate it when you call our best to go someplace else. 
but uh, it has been a joy to partner with them these 35 years, and we're so grateful that you've brought them back to be a part of our, our body here, and they continue to serve us in so many different ways. Um, God, we pray for long health and strength and continued ability to serve you in whatever ways you may call them to do that, even as we give you thanks for the ways that they have served us and served your kingdom all over the world. And thanks for the impact that they've had. We look forward someday to, to visiting with people from every tribe and language and people and nation who read the gospel in their own language because of their efforts. In Christ's name, amen. Y'all can be seated. Thank you.